And now for something completely machinima. Space, the final frontier, and also our theme for this month at And Now for Something Completely Machinima. May the 4th is a celebration of all things Star Wars, and the 25th is the anniversary of the very first film in the series. So we'll be talking a little bit about that as the show goes on. Joining me in this voyage across the stars, Tracy Harwood. Hello. Phil Rice. Hey there. And of course, no machinima show is complete without Ricky Grove. Hello. So, um, as usual, we'll be covering the latest machinima news. We've got uh, some exciting interviews coming up uh, with Ashley Rule. Uh, she's a cinematic director at um, Bioware, and she works on Star Wars The Old Republic. And, of course, Mark Beer, who's the uh, star of the Mass Effect uh, video games, and he voices Commander Shepard, along with many alien characters. So we'll be talking to him uh, later on in the show. Of course, we've got some... Uh, exciting films to uh, talk about and we'll be discussing some machine topics and how sci-fi is uh, part of that. So Star Wars anniversary. Wow. Yeah. Um, comes up uh, all the time. Well, I guess, but um, it's here again. We've got May the 4th, which is uh, the big day for Star Wars. It's not the actual anniversary, but it became uh, a fan uh, sort of event that, what they were doing just to celebrate their love of Star Wars. And of course, Lucasfilm picked up on that and started making it the big event so that any new products or shows or films announcements, that's the day to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, hopefully I'll get some good stuff uh, this year. Uh, looking forward to seeing all those announcements. Right. And it's hard to believe that Star Wars has been around for so long. I was talking to someone yesterday and we were discussing how he went to see it. Um, his dad took him to see the original film in the cinema and then he grew up um, and took his kids to see the next series uh, when that came out. And then the, the whole family have gone to see the, the more recent films. They all go as a whole group. And it's a whole generational thing that has happened. And I think it's a big part of Star Wars is it appeals to so many different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, 1977 was the first Star Wars. And um, I remember seeing it in Manhattan with a very good friend of mine who loved science fiction and science fiction movies as well. And we were uh, just blown away by the sound and the imagery. We came out all wide eyed, like, wow, that was quite an adventure. Um, It's hard to believe that that film, that universe that was created is still going today, you know, with all of the cultural shifts and changes. And I think that the film had a, major impact on on culture our culture world culture and not just because of the fun nature of the film which lucas said was trying to do space opera in fact i think he was trying to get the rights to do buck rogers series before he decided he couldn't get the rights so he decided to make his own buck rogers so it has that connection to past pulp science fiction which is really great. And it's part of the reason why I think it's had such wide appeal. But the other huge impact that the film had on was the marketing. Um, No film has marketed itself better than Star Wars. And uh, not only that, but the, all of the items that are associated with it, the toys, the plastic, the uh, games, the video games, it just became a a phenomena, a world unto itself that you could just safely go into and enjoy and 
and be thrilled by. That's the reason why it's still bringing people uh, to to watch the stories today. I remember it coming out too. Um, but I also remember, was it, I think it was a, at the time, competing with Greece in the cinema here, here in the UK. And, uh, ah. you know, I, as a, as a, as a, teenage whippersnapper back in those days i was given the choice greece or and uh, i'm afraid it was greece because i couldn't persuade my mum to come with me to anything else <laughs> so, so uh, i never actually saw star wars in the cinema back in those days wow um, i didn't either i the, the first one that i saw in the series was return of the jedi because that was the right. first time that my parents ever let me go to a movie theater ever so I got to see that in our little town in Illinois. It's a single screen theater uh, and went with a friend of mine. I had to beg and plead them to let me go. So I actually yeah. saw the original and Empire Strikes Back when they were released on HBO in the early 80s, um, shortly around the time that Return of the Jedi came to the theater. So I, I actually yeah, saw them in reverse order and I experienced... Most of what I knew about the original Star Wars up till that point was through the the commercials for the toys. I would piece mm -hmm. together the story. So they would show the commercial for the Death Star playset, and there's Luke swinging across on this plastic rope, and somehow the the action figure of Leia is hanging on to him. I was like, well, that must have happened at some point. I don't know. Then they fall into the trash <laughs> compactor full of foam and this green plastic monster and, and yeah I, I was like really surprised at some of what really happened to the movie by the time i saw it because I, I actually was thinking well no that's not how that went i saw the the commercial and the jawa playset commercial showed clearly that just <laughs> insane insane my grandmother got to go see star wars in the theater um and she fell asleep she, she, oh, we talked about that for decades. Yeah, she when she <laughs> she went with her brother, uh, my great uncle, and saw the original Star Wars in the theater and was asleep within twenty minutes, like just just <laughs> totally just slept right through it. She was just like, it was the most boring thing ever. No matter how popular something is, it's not for everyone. There's always going to be some people That's who right. still don't enjoy That's it. That's right. Well, you have to. I suppose really, you know, my my parents would have been brought up on uh, on. Um, Horse operas, not not space operas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it would be something quite different to, to them. There was this, you know, I can remember as a child really struggling to be allowed to sort of stay up late on a Tuesday night to watch Star Trek. Because <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean that was that was one of the the things that we used to love. And there was no way they were going to let me go to see that. No way. Yeah, yeah. I think also that Star Wars was um, very effective at its time. Because it was so positive, it was so full of fun. Most of the other science fiction uh, movies of the period, like THX, THX 1138 and um, Logan's Run and the other, they were all yeah. uh, dystopian and dark and uh, grim. And I think the, uh, uh, the sort of just the sheer fun of, of the adventurous nature of the, of the story just appealed to, to the culture at a time that really needed that they really wanted that mm -hmm. you know yeah it makes a lot of sense I and mean, i think it's one of the reasons why um star wars is still very popular right now is obviously not living in the best of times and you get shows like the mandalorian which is very it's kind of all that very adventure 
um, positive feel to it. It's got some dramatic moments because it has to for the storytelling, but it is, it's fun and it's got the excitement and adventure. And I think a lot of people still need that right now. And that's one of the reasons why the show is so popular and why Star Wars continues to still be so popular. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Lucas, when he created the that world, he already had looked way ahead and thinking about, um, thinking about his other worlds, other stories. You know, he had already imagined. A, a, I think it was a nine-part series. You know, yeah. which was really remarkable. People, you just didn't do that. You know, it's almost literary in a way. Now, people in fantasy, in particular, will. An author will, when they do a novel, they will conceive of it as a, a trilogy or a, a, a five five novels in a group. But you don't often see that in a, a film. Of course, after Star Wars, you saw it all the time in the marketplace. As soon as an open marketplace, as soon as something becomes very successful, everybody tries to imitate it. But But this movie was more than just being successful. It shifted the culture because at the time... Science fiction was moving towards, uh, written science fiction was moving towards something called new wave science fiction, uh, headed by uh, authors like Michael Moorcock and Brian Aldiss and J.G. Ballard. And they were rejecting the old notions of science fiction. They called it old man fiction. And it was from the pulps in which the hero, you know, genders were all prescribed. There was a hero, the hero fought against the villain, melodrama drama in some respects. And they rejected all of that. And they brought in uh, talking about sexuality. They talked about gender. They talked about politics, uh, which was unheard of in science fiction. And all of that was pushing to the fore right when Star Wars came in and said, nope, <laughs> we're not going to go down that road. We're going to go right back to where we were before. So in as much as I love Star Wars, and I still enjoy it very much, it was retro it was looking backwards instead of forwards in terms of uh, science and technology. I mean, you never got, I mean, look at a, a science fiction series that's out today called the expanse. If you've seen that at all, that's pure politics. That's pure race. That's pure gender. None of that is really dealt with in star Wars because that's not what it's about. It's about adventure. It's about bad guys and good guys. And it's about, the satisfaction of seeing those bad guys getting taken down, which can, it's like one of those things that you can never get enough of, you know, but it did have a chilling effect on written science fiction and other forms of science fiction that I don't think is acknowledged uh, as much today. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the expanse and one of the other parts of that is, it's, it's also, it's very heavily on the politics, but the science behind it is all very real as well. The ships, all the physics behind the ship movements and the, the battles, I mean, it does have exciting battles in it, like Star Wars does, but mm. Star Wars uses all the ships move like World War II planes and fighters and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But the um, the Expanse, when that has battles, they're all done very realistically. Uh, so using all the, so the, the behind the scenes, not the, let me start there again. Using the, our understanding of space science and astrophysics now, so um, there's no shields. If, if a it flies through the hull of the ship you get a hull and the oxygen's coming out which means all the characters on the ships will have flight suits space suits on when they know they're going to go into fight because they know that it's really dangerous and high high g turns can 
cause injuries and heart attacks uh, and that's not something that Star Wars ever touches and it would probably make sense that they didn't because that would ruin the adventure um, the adventurous spirit that Star Wars has but it works for the expanse yeah my son my son and I uh, we've over the past year uh, thanks to covid been have been working our way a bit at a time through Star Wars Clone Wars the animated series and then now we're on, oh, yeah. now we're on rebels uh, and he continues to just point out at every opportunity when like a star destroyer gets hit that it starts to fall down he's like why is it sinking where's it going to you know he just can't get over that and i try to explain to him that, you know well george lucas's influence was you know world war ii dog fights and you know naval battles and things like that and he just took that into space he's like it's still stupid so <laughs> but yeah we love it i think when yeah. George was pitching the f- first film, he was taking old video footage from World War II planes uh, and putting sort of laser effects on them to try and um, illustrate this is how the battle sequence is going to look right. when he's trying to pitch it to various yeah. studios. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a baby boomer imaginary imagination. Hmm. But it, it certainly changed the world. Um, and I don't think I'd know any of you guys if it was for Star Wars because it was because of Star Wars that I got into animation and the cinema. So um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for it. Yeah. Now you've got a great series, Chronicles of Humanity, that you've been consistently adding to. I know Star Wars inspired it. What What is it about the Star Wars universe that has so uh, piqued your interest and kept you kept you wanting to create stories that take place in that world? Um. So. I I can't actually remember the first time I watched Star Wars. My parents taped it, and I just watched through... They taped the first one. I watched it so many times that the actual tape was getting really static and <laughs> worn out. Um, but having that all the way... Th- for as long as I can remember, it's always been something um, I just loved. And um, as I got older and started becoming aware that it's possible to tell stories, I thought, well it'd be interesting to try and tell some stories in Star Wars because I, I love this film and I, I read all the books and played all the video games and I enjoyed all those other extra stories that add, they're not necessarily connected to the films, but they're in the same world. And I thought it'd be fun to tell stories in that world. And um, I was doing a lot of online role-playing and started writing stories about my characters and the, the people I was playing with, they would create stories about their characters and we'd sort of collaborate and, uh, sort of do crossover adventures and all that kind of stuff. Um, so then when I discovered animation and filmmaking, I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity to take my love of storytelling and Star Wars uh, and see what I can do in a sort of video format. And that's kind of really how I got started with it. And uh, I can't really spe- put it down to one specific thing about Star Wars I love so much. It's just something that's always been there for me. And uh, I think it will be there for quite some time. Now, the one you're working on now, Damien, is not uh, Chronicles of Humanity. That that one was a different series. The, it was s- still sci-fi in nature, but the one you're working on now is an actual... Uh, it's Heir to the Empire, I believe it's called, and it's an actual adaptation of one of those uh, Star Wars novels, like with, with some very recognizable characters in there. Is that right? Um, yeah, that's right. So um, going back to Chronicles of Humanity just briefly, is I did a lot of Star Wars fan films, and that taught me a lot about filmmaking, but then I got to a point where it'd be nice to create my own thing. 
So then I knew that I, I love sci-fi and the space battles and all the, the kind of drama that goes along with that, but I wanted to tell my own story. So I did that. But then there's kind of this revival of Star Wars over the last few years, which has drawn me back into Star Wars um, filmmaking. So I finished all the Chronicles of Humanity stories I had to tell, and I was thinking about my next project, and I wanted to do um, something short that I could experiment with and try and sort of improve by craft my understanding of iClone and produce better results. So I was looking at my bookshelf, and there was the book, Air to the Empire, on the shelf. And I've read this book many times, and my, my, I've got several copies of it, because the first one is really tatty now. Um, so I looked at it, and I thought, the first chapter of this is a space battle, and a short conversation between um, two different characters as the, the battle is happening around them, and they're, they're just kind of talking about it. I thought this would be an ideal test uh, platform for the short project idea I wanted to do. Um, so I took it off the shelf and I read it again. I thought, yep, this is exactly what I can do. And there's a first part of it doesn't really work as a video, as it's the captain of the Star Destroyer, and he's kind of despairing at the state of the Empire. And I thought, he's not going to talk to himself on the bridge of the ship because that's going to completely discourage um, his men who are there doing their duty. And he's got, he, it's all internal monologue, and that doesn't really fit the Star Wars style. So I kind of cut that bit out and went straight to the space battle. Um, I made it, and it was a fun little project, and I put it out uh, on YouTube thinking, well, some people might enjoy this. And then got, the uh, response was a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, and I started getting lots of comments about, are you going to make more of this? And I think, well, I wasn't planning to. <laughs> yeah, and I could go on telling how that all happened. But yeah, that's basically how that started. And I've uh, continued making more. And as we call this, I've released up to chapter 12. Right. Oh, that's wow. so great. I'm so glad. And you're finally getting some recognition for all of your hard work. Now, over the years, you've changed your platforms for creating the films, right? What are you using currently? Uh, I'm using purely iClone for my projects at the moment. Um, I prefer that the power that it gives me over uh, video games because you got a lot more control of the characters and you can bring in your own content a lot more easily than you can with uh, games, especially more modern games where the developers are more reluctant to allow modding because they want to produce a sequel and the mm. sequels won't sell so well if people are still playing the yeah. previous one. But yeah, that's, that's all I got to say about that. I'm using at the moment. I've used uh, Movie Storm as well as a platform I stuck with for a long time. Yeah. How many yeah. more episodes have you got lined up, Daniel? Have you got? Uh, there's 32 chapters in the book, so there's another 20 to go. Oh, so each episode <laughs> is, is one chapter. Yeah. Oh, that's And great. there's two more books in the trilogy. <laughs> I'm trying not to think how long it's going to take me to get to that last chapter, the last book. <laughs> You'll be in yeah. an old age home when you're working on that last episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I've got lots of people saying, are you going to do this other book? Cause there's so many star Wars books that are getting lots of requests for all these other books. And uh, one of the most popular ones is a series of 19 books. Oh my God. I Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, it'd be a, yeah, it's a little bit too much, I think. But, do you uh, think you'll ever get fed up of Star Wars? Um, there are times when I feel like 
I'm a bit Star Wars out, so I'll drift away from it and then um, come back to it, you know, a year or so later. That's one mm. of the reasons I moved away from it and did my own series, Chronicles of Humanity, because I'd, I'd done uh, a four-part Star Wars fan film series over a number of years and then um, wasn't really enjoying the new content that was coming out. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to set this aside and then do my own thing. And I think that was really good. Good to have the break. But then, of course, I came back to Star Wars. So I don't know if I'll ever get to a point where I never want to see Star Wars anything again. But there might <laughs> come a point where I'm going to put it aside for a while and then come back to it later on. Yeah. I feel the same way. Hmm. So it's not just about me and Star Wars. Um, we've got some other news to talk about as well. Right. Um, Ricky, uh, I believe there's a, a, an update to iClone that you would like to talk about. Oh, yeah, iClone uh, 7.9 update. Um, in addition to uh, fixing bugs and adding more uh, flexibility to the overall program, they included three aspects that are just leaps and bounds ahead of anything they had before, which is unusual because you, you usually get a major update in, um, when there's a number change. Uh, not when there's a sub-number change. So 7.9, you'd expect to be have major uh, updates in uh, version 8. But for some reason, I think because the uh, nature of the business now, there's a subscription model. Um, I think they've, they're just putting everything when it comes. But uh, enough of that. The three main additions are Aculips, which is an entirely new algorithm for lip sync. Um, X plus facial animation, which uh, is another way that they always had good facial puppeteering and facial animation, but this just kicks it up another level of control. And then the uh, using Apple's Arc program to do live facial capture uh, using an iPhone or an iPad. Now, of those three, the most the uh, I've experimented with all of them except for the last one because I don't own an iPad. I mean, an iPhone, although the videos, there's incredible videos about how to set it up. Um, but the, the thing that I was most impressed was the Aculips limps, uh, lip sync. You can do record a voice, include the uh, voice, um, text to speech. Um, and the, the process, the workflow for it is that you... For, for most machinima filmmakers, they'll want to bring in their own recordings. So you bring in a segment of your recording. You pull up the... There's a whole new uh, GUI uh, interface for it. Uh, you input it uh, on the selected character, and you can only do it with the uh, uh, more recent characters. And it gives you the uh, uh, wave file, and then you can, uh, it will automatically take the spoken word and convert it to text. And then on that text, it puts the text, the viseme, the, the little uh, mouth formations connected with each word is centered right on the, on the timeline. So you can easily see what viseme is associated with the uh, text. And they're easily manipulated right on the timeline. You can shorten it, you can adjust it, you can click it, change it to another Visim. And the, th the thing that I was most impressed with it is the level of detail. They included something called um, talking styles, 
which I think is really smart. Now, when I say talking styles, they uh, tried to get the quality of, of lip movement from different kinds of speakers, like somebody who's impatient or somebody who mumbles or somebody who's whispering or somebody who's yelling. They have 14 of these talking styles. And each visim can be adjusted individually in terms of its intensity. So as you go through the, the uh, uh, waveform and you see the lip movements, you can adjust them uh, individually. Now, in my experiments, uh, it was about 80 to 90 percent uh, successful. And it was very easy to do. I had a good working lip sync in 15 minutes. And, and, and I mean, this, these lip syncs are light years ahead of the previous ones, especially uh, on jaw movement. Because a lot of times when you see older lip sync, the jaws open too wide. Do you know what I mean? And it suddenly gives you, takes you out of the lip sync. So I was very impressed with AccuLips. It's part of the uh, 7.9 update. I'm not going to go into the detail on the facial animation, but you can puppet the facial animation in layers. So, for example, if you just want to do the eyes for the animation, you I would, I would suggest doing lip sync first and then uh, do facial animation afterwards. And you can do the eyes. You can do eyebrows, cheeks. You can do the overall expression and do layers of four or five different layers to get the quality of the animation you want. And then also, they also have um, uh, faces or, our, or emotional attitudes that you can choose. So if someone is an angry speaker, you can use the uh, perhaps the yelling lip sync plus an angry looking face. So they already set it up really nicely for you and they're easy to use. I like them a lot. And then interestingly, at the same time, um, roughly that this is released, uh, Real Illusion, who has supported Machinima forever, um, Unreal's Epic released Metahuman, which is their new version of lip sync and facial animation. Now, the distinction, I think, between the two is that Real Illusion is, is for people who are making films and they don't, it's not their full-time job. So they don't have all day to spend on one speech. They just want to get the job done. They, we, they want it Ricky. to look good. Machinima filmmakers, amateur filmmakers. The metahuman technology is for professional filmmakers. Although I'm sure somebody with enough work could learn it. It has got an entirely um, pro um, uh, workflow. Um, the learning curve is fairly steep to get to learn it. There's tons and tons of uh, YouTube videos on how to do it. it they're, they're, they're actually a step above Real Illusions work. So if you want to use the Unreal Engine for Machinima and you want it to be absolutely realistic, the MetaHuman uh, is the way to go because it it is directly connected to the Unreal Engine. But but the distinction is, is that the Real Illusion Aculypse and the Epic's MetaHuman one is for the uh, general filmmaker, and the other one is for the pro filmmaker. But I, I like them a lot, very, very much. Ricky, the and the, the last those those excuse me, the, yeah, go ahead. The last thing I wanted to say was that I just came away from an Nvidia uh, press conference because the uh, the graphics technology conference is next week, and I want to let everybody know that the Nvidia Omniverse beta is definitely going to happen within the next two months. 
It'll be an open beta. They've been working on the application and it's all set to go. Okay. I'm looking forward to giving that a try and I think we'll be covering that uh, when it's available. Indeed. Phil, you had a question. I'm sorry to interrupt you there. Yeah, the the, the update, uh, the, the components of iClone that you were talking about, Aculips and X Plus and et cetera, am I understanding it right that those are included in an update to the main program or are those new add-ons that have to be purchased no, or available? They're, they're included with the updates to the main program. Wow. They're part of the iClone 7.9 update. Great. And of course they have interoperability with a character creator. So you can create a character and character creator, bring it over an iClone. And of course automatically the Aculypse and the X plus facial animation works perfectly. I'm working on an experiment now to try to, I've been using a um, 2d character from uh, Adobe character animator as my narrator for my weekly news videos for renderosity. Mm -hmm. And I'm working on moving over to iClone with a 3d uh, character and I'll, I'll let you know how that turns out so far it's it's working really well i've um, given the the aculips uh, uh i've been experimenting with it as well and lip sync in iclone is uh, it is a powerful it was fairly powerful before but it was a process i really did not enjoy because you um to get the best results what i would do is just delete the entire generated lip sync and then go back and do it all from scratch and it's a process that would take hours for a scene and uh, of course yeah it became a point where characters that were wearing helmets or had no robot characters or you know stormtroopers or whatever they would be my favorite characters to animate because they had no <laughs> lip sync yeah <laughs> yes well i think um, you'll be very happy with the results of the new aculips because yeah. in my experiments it was 80 to 90 percent so i don't think you're gonna have to wipe out the entire lip sync, you'll just pull out those obvious Visim mistakes that the uh, algorithm yeah. made. And one of the other things I liked was it creates, a, it's a, there's a dictionary of words that it can pick up on. And if you've got some dialogue that's not in the dictionary, you can program that in. And that's a process that takes just a couple of seconds to put in the, the, the different mouth movements for that word. And you can save it. So the next time that word comes up in your project, it will know exactly what to do. Yeah, that's one thing I wish they they would have included, um, which is a profile. For example, they give you all of these generic profiles. It would be great if you could save a profile of combinations of them that you've mm. customized and say this is the, you know, John uh, profile that has uh, mumbling and this and that. And I think it would be easier for you. That way you don't have to create a new one every time you start. That would make sense. Be a good use tool. I, I was going to ask you. I was reading something. I, I, I did a talk a couple of weeks ago, um, where I where I was talking about this um, uh, speech to text and then the text into animation, where emotion through AI was being inferred from the words. Is that the kind of tech that's embedded in the the tools that you're talking about here? You have much more detail on being able to record and uh, adjust your lip sync this time. It makes it much easier. Um, so it's not a general, that that sort of general AI and the AI inf uh, decides what the emotion is, is a, a much larger canvas than this one. This is much more detail, better for filmmakers, I think. 
yeah, I think having given the director the control of the emotion is um, makes it more powerful because the, if it was an AI picking up on it, it would be an impressive piece of AI technology, but it may pick up the wrong emotion from the, from the scene that the director might want. So yeah, sounds like a very impressive update for iClone, and I think it's going to change the way people use iClone and make it a lot easier, especially getting the, the lip sync, because uh, as I said, it's a very long and tedious process, or at least it used to be, and I can see why that it may put some uh, people off going to that much uh, trouble. Uh, I did play around a little bit, and something that took um, sort of half an hour to do before, I did in minutes, uh, and I could see that, yeah, the, the, I think um, it's going to definitely help me a lot in, in my projects, and I can't wait to... Real Illusion has always been very supportive of the machinima community. In the 2006 documentary I did in uh, of the um, machinima festival, that was I, I have I should pull this up for our blog, but there are pictures of John Martin and his brother James for the first time showing iClone the first version of it. Um, they were right there. They sponsored the the um you know the, they're giving away those demo discs. You know the demo discs they're giving away of iClone One. I've still got my copy of that somewhere. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> and they've been very innovative in their over the years. They've expanded. They've their technology mm -hmm. is really good. They've just gotten better and better. Yeah. Bravo to seeing what they next because. Uh, they, they release an update, think, oh, I can't get better than this. And they announce what the next thing is going to be. Oh, that's going to be really exciting. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on what they what they do next. Mm -hmm. um, so, Tracy, there's some uh, yes. a, there's a contest that um, yes. you were it, talk about. It, This is a little bit of an insider contest, I think, actually. So so um, this is the, the winners um, of a virtual production for storytellers challenge um which has recently been announced now it's a it's a result of an invitation only uh course which was hosted by unreal and art station uh, and the aim of it really was to test an idea of could a could a group of pros without any unreal experience start creating cinema quality scenes in five weeks um, with a little bit of input from industry experts uh, and these guys, they were given two themes uh, on which to base their um, uh, story developments. Uh, one was uh, something they called environment, uh, the discovery, and, and the other was a vehicle or uh, about a race or the race. Uh, and there were 68 teams entered and 41 who completed the challenge. And of the ones that were top listed, all had selected from, as far as I could tell, um, the environment and discovery theme, which I think is qu quite interesting, but perhaps not surprising, really, um, given the, the types of assets that um, are being used in Unreal with these kinds of um, challenges at the moment. Now, the participants um, themselves, I, I would say, are, are clearly, they're, well, they're clearly pro. They're special effects people, visual effects producers, rather than machinima folks which you know when you see the 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 work that's actually produced you kind of you kind of think well wonder what machinima folks would have actually done with this as i suspect they probably would have done a little bit more um but i do think what what you're seeing here is a, a continuing quite interesting development um and something that we've talked several times about on the show now 
um, which is to do with Unreal's fairly significant and, and um, commitment to in, to investing in uh, a community of of creators, albeit. You know, clearly what they're doing here is targeting the pros, not the indies. Now, um, the three films that uh, that were um, the top three that won the challenge, it's worth having a little look at these just to see what you think about why they may have won it. The first one, the one that the one that actually won it, was um, by um, a guy called Ben Coelho. Um, and it's just a, a minute-long short of a, of a soldier on this kind of strange planet. And... To me, what it looks like, it's it's clearly about lighting and textures, which are the key to this. There's not a lot going on. It's just, you know, really good kind of strong visual quality, typical special effects type thing. The second one was by uh, Emmanuel Lamello um, for a little short that he called Birds of a Feather. And it's about a robot on an abandoned world, which does have quite a bit more of a story to it. I think that's quite an interesting example of what you can do with these with these tools and the third one um interesting but not not particularly well done i didn't think really this the third one was um, by a guy called ryan patterson and it was called ghost town and it's sort of a surrealist style short set in a partially immersed world no dialogue not a very clear story but you can kind of see the beginnings you can see the beginnings in all three i think the second one for me would have been the first one if, it, if I'd have been one of the, the judges. Um, now, it was, a, it was a privately hosted event, if you like, um, and there is going to be another one later on this year, which, you know, I would encourage people to have a, a look at more seriously. Um, but in, in, in addition to that, there is this virtual production primer, which gives newbies to Unreal a taster tutorial. Again, I think we've mentioned this in the past. We'll put it in the, in, in the show notes. Um, Oh. In terms of a, of a tutorial introduction to the creative uh, pipeline that they're, um, you know, they're, they're promoting. And as I said, it's, it's clearly raising the bar here for both indies and pros. It's clearly aimed at pros, not indies. And I think that by, by sort of doing that, they're missing a trick, really, which is the greatness of the stories that come out of that indie world. It's clear that the skills are there in terms of the special effects, but they're lacking stories in, you know, in something uh, which has been badged as a, a storytelling uh, competition or a contest. Um, so there you go. There's my little update on winners announced for the first virtual production for Storytellers Challenge. Oh, I watched them all. They have uh, the the first three winners, plus they have uh, special mentions. All 40, yeah. 41. And then you can click through and watch uh, all the rest of them. And they're, they're really, really good. We'll make sure we put a link to all of those. Now, contrary to uh, uh, Tracy, I enjoyed number three, the Ryan Patterson Ghost Town, mostly because of its strangeness. But then again, we've talked about my love of originality i really like i really <laughs> like number two though and if i th i was a judge i would have picked that one the uh, small you have this interesting little almost baby robot going around this sort of odd almost apocalyptic world or a world where there aren't any people in it and it explores interacting with other machines 
by repeating their sounds back to them. It's just a really sort of touching thing that's going on. Like yeah, a, I thought that was the most the most clever of the three. Yeah. And uh, the number one that won it, it had to have won it on technical grounds because it was very beautiful, but there was just nothing to it. But the second one had some beautiful visuals in it. It's hard to believe that it was only made in five weeks, you know. And uh, Epic has released the uh, virtual production primer two. So there's a number one and there's a number two. And it's not just a book. It's a whole course that you can take. So if you want to learn about uh, virtual production, which is essentially machinima production, um, possibly at a higher professional level, but it's machinima production, you can take the course and go right through it, the whole thing. Probably take you a week or so to get through it, but it's just really well laid out. I loved all these films. I thought they were great. Uh, I just wish more people would be creating things in Unreal. Space! Space machinima would be really well done in Unreal. In fact, one of the things I did while we were prepping for this episode is I went to the marketplace and I was just doing science fiction or space. There are so many great things you can do and a lot of them are free that if you wanted to create a space story, you'd have everything you needed right there at very low cost or for free. I'd say for a hundred bucks, you could have all of the materials you need to make an excellent and interesting space story straight out of Unreal, including the effects. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to sit down and uh, watch all, all of those uh, films from the challenge, but the ones I have seen, I've been very impressed by what Unreal can do and what the people using it have been able to achieve. So uh, I look forward to having a sit down and being able to uh, enjoy more of those films. All right, so um, Phil, I believe you also had some news you wanted to share? Yeah, I've just got a couple quick items. Um, there's a company called True Bones. It's been around for quite a while. They, they make uh, or they, they uh, sell uh, mocap animations, which can be, uh, they're, they're in the you know common format like BVH, um, that, that type of format that can be brought into Unity or Unreal Engine or iClone, uh, even Daz or even higher end platforms like Maya or Cinema 4D. This, there is a standard for uh, for mocap files, and this company has been providing those for quite a few years, most of them very low cost, and they've got a special going right now where um, everything in their catalog that is normally priced for just two bucks is free. Um, and there's a, there's a specific code that you use at checkout. They've already got a number of items in there that are priced as free, and then on top of that, anything in the $2 bracket is also free for a limited time. So we will be sure to include a link to the page uh, on their site, which shows the, the code to use at checkout right there. I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, one of the harder pieces of content to create yourself when you're doing a solo machine production is the mocap. Uh, even if you've got the gear for it, uh, there's, as, as Damien will attest, because he's I think the only one of us four with direct experience trying to do some of that is, you know, a lot of times the motion capture data is what they call dirty, you know, needs some cleanup before it's usable. So it's not jiggy and whatnot. So, um, and yeah, so a, an effective way to do that sometimes for certain purposes is to uh, purchase mocap files from, you know, that have hopefully already been cleaned up and are, are in usable shape. 
Um, and it's it's uh, it's just, it's just a nice solution. So yeah, they've got that special going on right now at Truebones. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was in episode two of our podcast, um, the uh, the long one, um, we talked about Ricky primarily talked about uh, the prospect of making 360 degree videos or you know filmmaking in VR or, or 360. And it just so happens that uh, I found this week there is a uh, the company's called Creator Up. And they've got a whole bunch of different types of courses and, and classes related to, uh, generally related to filmmaking, uh, not so much machinima per se. But they do have one class in particular that is, the title of the class is 360 Degree VR Filmmaking Masterclass. And the instructors on the class, it, it basically unfolds over a period of about, of it looks like about a year. And there are different modules, five of which are ready now. And then they've got a schedule for how the rest of them will be released over the, the coming year. And it's some pretty seasoned pros who are involved in uh, being instructors for the course. The price is two ninety nine, which 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 is enough to make make quite a few folks blanch, I'm sure. However, my thinking and even mentioning it, because normally we try to focus on low cost stuff or no cost stuff. Uh, you know, because quite frankly, most of us are hobbyists. We're not making income from this. So we need, we need things to be as affordable as possible. But my thinking on this in mentioning it was anybody who is serious about doing 360 degree filmmaking or VR filmmaking, they've already invested a significant amount in the gear to make that happen. Um, so maybe to them, uh, to, to folks who are invested in that, in that way, you know, spending 300 bucks for a masterclass on it might not be uh, the worst idea in the world. You know, it, it might actually be a good way to make the most of what you've already spent on the equipment. So that's that's why I thought I'd mention it. We've got a post on our blog that uh, uh, details it, and I'll we'll be sure that that's linked in the notes for this show as well. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, thank you. Some, some excellent news pieces there. I'm definitely going to check out the, uh, the True Bones theme because, um, as you said, uh, I do like to have my own unique uh, motion capture, but the cleanup process uh, can be very tricky. And if I just need some more basic an uh, animations, having an extra selection available to me would be really good. So I'll be checking that out and uh, we'll include all the links to, to that in the show notes. Um, some other news I'm going to cover briefly. Uh, this month on the 14th, uh, Mass Effect Remastered launches. And normally we don't cover video game news like this, but uh, this is a special uh, series for the machinery community because a lot of our members did actually go to work for Bioware on the those games and later on in Dragon Age as well. So this is a great way to check out their work and um, see what they did. And it's got all the enhanced effects and some bug gameplay uh, updates to make it work on more a uh, little bit more user-friendly, like the Mako's easier to drive and things like that. Um, so that's definitely worth checking out. And of course, we have Mark Mir joining us later for, for an interview. Um, yeah, so that's, that's definitely worth having a look at. Um, moving on, Star Trek. Uh, there's a, big, a lot of Star Trek announcements recently, and they said that they will be adopting the same virtual set Unreal technology that The Mandalorian uses for all of their upcoming shows. Makes perfect sense. It's a great fit. 
Yeah, and they actually had a trailer for Star Trek Discovery, and because of this virtual set technology, they are actually able to release a new season this year, even though the most recent one has only just finished a month or two ago, because this Unreal technology has really improved their production time. Um, yeah, because previously Discovery had a, a year, over a year long gap between each season, and now they've cut it down to. They haven't given a specific date, but it's definitely happening this year. And the trailer shows some really fantastic results. And uh, they had uh, someone working on the behind the scenes thing, doing a little talk. And um, they said because they're using this technology, it means that they can now use the colors green and blue in their designs to be on screen without having to worry that having a a green alien is going to appear headless because it, the green screen behind them has made them transparent. So they're looking forward to bringing more colorful designs for the costumes and aliens and other props and whatever else that they're planning to do. And I think that's be exciting to see what they do with that. Yeah. I think the actors are going to be very happy about it too, because they're going to get a more of a sense of uh, what the world that they're in, the situation that they're in, it'll help their imaginations. I oftentimes think back to, Many of the actor studio actors who came to Hollywood and worked on the original Outer Limits, if you remember, um, Martin Landau was one of the actors who was in it. And imagine them trying to, I mean, it worked perfectly with that acting technique because it's all about visualizing and imagining things. But boy, wouldn't it have been great to be actually see it so you could have a reaction to what it is as opposed to working on something from your imagination, you know, that's slippery. It might work. It might not. But I love those early, uh, uh, who was it? Um, oh, gosh. Anyway, there were quite a few really important actors in those Outer Limits series. And I'm always marveled at their ability to be able to cope with the science fiction elements of it. One very famous actor whose name just escapes me did a two-parter. In the first part, they were uh, their, their normal selves. And then the second part, they were in this incredible alien foam latex makeup. And, um, I, I, and, and they were even better as the alien. And I kept wondering, having gone through that experience myself, it's really hard to act with all of that stuff on your face. You you have to over emote in order to make the the foam latex be expressive. Do you know what I mean? How did they do that in those days? Well, anyway, that's a little aside, but I'm sure they're going to be really happy with the the new production, virtual production technique. It's going to make their imaginations much better. Yeah, they were talking about that, and uh, I think it's going to be great because they can react to, uh, like you said, they can react to things, and they all the actors will know exactly where to look at. Because sometimes you'll be watching something and they've got the CGI background and the CGI monster or whatever. And they're looking in the general direction, but they're not necessarily looking exactly the same place because their imaginations are mm. obviously all different. Uh, but yeah. this way, they can all look exactly the right place and know exactly, exactly. the timing is going to be perfect for them because it will be happening all, for all of them. And I'm excited yes. to see the results of that. The trailer looked fantastic. and. Yeah. Uh, be interesting to see what else they do with it and i believe it's going to be used in all of the upcoming star trek shows which is discovery picard and strange new worlds excellent um, yeah and the other advantage of that is it's very um 
safe for the actors, which is something that is uh, a lot of them must be quite worried about at the moment with COVID. Is that you don't need so many people on set there because it's a small. It's a like the room is fairly large, but you don't need a lot of film crew in there, so it, it's safer for everyone in there as well. Which is, yeah. it's nice to see that as well. Plus, the plus they don't need to send the uh, the actors into space anymore. Which is yeah. too. <laughs> which has resulted in some fatalities, you know. Yeah. I did see it on that note that Tom Cruise wanted to make a space film and actually take oh, the crew, film on. crew, up into space to do it. And I yeah, believe well, they're in talks on how to figure that out. We all... I thought they were already. I thought they'd already signed a deal with with Musk. Oh, maybe. Who was yeah, going I, up with them yeah. and everything? I thought I read I had, that. I thought I was. Perfect. I can't wait to see that. It, I don't. It's know very extreme, but I would. I want to see it too. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think I, yeah. you know, I would love to see a war film in which they actually have war. <laughs> you know, they actually kill people in it and shoot and blow real bombs. I want to see that level of real. By the way, Robert Duvall was the actor I was thinking of in um, okay. Outer right. Limits. Oh, wow, yes. He did a two-parter called The Inheritors. And in the second part, he was just extraordinary. Uh, the final piece of news, we talked about it last month. It's the Milan Film Festival, uh, which happened recently. It's already accepting submissions for the next festival. Um, we'll, we'll include that. Uh, if, if you like the sound of it last month, well, now you can submit your films to it. We'll include the uh, notes in the show notes for the, the link, so you can go check that out. Damien, do you, do you, or, or Tracy, or whoever, do you remember for the Milan Machinima Film Festival, um, am I... Am I remembering right that they they did specify that it should be made with video games, and so would that mean that that something yes. created just with iClone or, uh, you know, a, a non game tool like that probably wouldn't wouldn't qualify? Well, I I think that might well be the case, but um, probably check that out because I also remember reading I think that even Second Life wow. doesn't count, which is an interesting. That is an interesting development. No, it has it has to account because they featured a Second Life filmmaker. Did they? Yes. In, as one okay. of their filmmakers, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. All kidding aside, I I actually, if I could manage to find the time to, to finish a film this year, I do I do plan to enter because I've got, I've got a short planned that is, uh, that would be using a video game that that might work well there. So, but anyway, we'll see. Yeah. Look forward to that. And now for something completely machinima. All right, so that's the uh, news covered for this month. I uh, hope you found it uh, interesting. Uh, if you want to read any more about these stories, uh, be sure to check out the show notes. Uh, you'll find all the relevant links in there with more details and more things than we could possibly cover ourselves. Thank you very much for listening, and may the Force be with you. With you.